Adventure of the World, where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-host Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary Licensed Podcast. podcast and we're discussing batman the animated series dealing with four episodes which include robin's reckoning the night of the ninja and cat scratch fever and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got mark cross there you go let's start over that's okay <laughs> Hello, welcome to this podcast. It's Batman the Animation Week, and we'll be discussing four episodes from Batman. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Mark Krotchak with us. Hello, Mark. Hi, happy to be back. Uh, very excited to talk about these. So, and we got Sean Stefan with us. Hello, Sean. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Vicky Ray's not with us due to um, dealing with personal issues, and Joe is off working, making a living. And, and of course, I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what each of us been up to, starting with you, Mark. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh, well, it's been a few months, but uh, mostly just reviewing a lot of indie films and uh, doing some interviews as well. Uh, got to interview some folks who were behind a film that just dropped recently called Space Wars Quest for the Deep Star, which is a lot of fun. Uh, if you like your throwback 80s sci-fi, which is what they're, they're we're all going for. And then uh, talk to a couple other folks as well. David Lipper, who uh, has been a, in Hollywood since Full House, he played... Uh, uh, in Full House, he played DJ's boyfriend for like four episodes. And now uh, through his career, he's now producing and directing and starring in films uh, himself. So got to talk to him as well. So some interesting interviews and uh, doing podcasting. Uh, we're celebrating our 10th year. We just uh, did a 10th. I did a 10th year uh, live broadcast last month. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Keep it busy. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Sean? What have you been up to? I've been working like crazy at my second job. Uh, it's kind of overtaken my life. But whenever I, I do have free time, I've kind of been uh, just checking out a few movies. I saw, I got to see the new Guardians, and nice. I saw a movie. Uh, I, I loved it. It's I, I'm. It's weird though, because everybody I've talked to, I, I won't spoil the movie, but there is definitely a sense of finality coming mm -hmm. out of the movie when you're when you walk out of the theater. And the vibe I've gotten from talking most of my friends is. You know what I I think I'm I'm good. It kind of it it, it kind of feels like in a way I, I'm not again not, no spoilers or anything. It feels like 
you as an audience member, you're going off to college. You're, you're saying goodbye to this chapter of your life. And it does it in such a way that, yeah, okay, I know that you got cool stuff coming, but I, I'm honestly, you know, <laughs> I could I could get off this ride now and be completely fine. It almost feels like James Gunn was doing a subtle fuck you to Marvel on his way out the door because <laughs> he did it in such a good way that I, I, I don't really need to uh, continue on. I'm going to, but I, I don't yeah. really don't really need to. I feel like I got my I got my fill. This is this is my good one. That that's not the first time I've heard that too. Where I've heard a few friends who go, you know, if MCU, if Marvel Studios didn't make another movie, yeah, be, this was a nice. They're like, we're good. <laughs> it's it's weird that it has that much of a finality to it, in, in the sense that you 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 are saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. You are saying goodbye to how, when was the first one made? Uh, seven years ago. Well, eight yeah, years ago? Eight, eight years ago. Eight years ago. So, I mean, that's a major chapter of anyone's life. And and you're, and you're, everybody's going off. James is going to run the competition and he's doing it with very open mind in the press. Hey, we'll work together again. You might get your Marvel DC crossover at some point. You might, you know, he's doing it in a way that he's trying to placate the fans. But yeah, it really does feel like, all right, this chapter of the MCU, this, because I also think of what could have been. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be in charge of the whole cosmic division. That's what uh, before he got fired initially. Uh, they were going to put him char- in charge of everything, from Nova Corps to the Marvels to whatever. I mean, they he was going to be in charge of it all. And then what happened happened, and now he's uh, he's across the street. So it's I- I'm curious to see w- what happens with him because anything he makes. I, I will see. He he mm-hmm. just has the, he has the way of bringing out. I, I I was joking with people. I'm like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be crying over a tree and a raccoon, or and I I'm gonna be crying over an animated tree and a raccoon. And I walked out of that. Tears okay. Damn tree, damn raccoon. But it was it was. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I will say one other thing. I did see one other movie on the complete flip side. A great independent film made by Charlie Day uh, called Fool's Paradise. I saw the trailer for this a couple of weeks ago and I, I joked to myself and I joked to Joe, I said, this, it looks like Charlie's day just wanted to do a remake of uh, being there. Mm. And you watch the trailer, you get the exact same vibe. And I watched the movie and I found a couple of interviews where he described it as I was trying to do being there because nobody would do a movie like being there. So I figured, well, I'll just do a movie like being there. I, I want to see a movie like that in today's world. But it wasn't clicking. So I added in the fact, what if the star was instead of him being kind of like a guy who just goes through aimlessly, what if he was more like a silent film character? What if he was more like a Buster Keaton or a Charlie Chaplin? So it's a virtually silent performance throughout the entire thing. And he's kind of doing a lot of physical comedy and he's just drifting along on this amazing satire through the Hollywood scene as he gets picked up off this, literally off the street, to be a stand-in for an extra uh, for an actor who doesn't want to get out of his trailer, and through a series of events, he's the next big thing in Hollywood. He's marrying the A-list starlet, and he's the whole time he's just going along for the ride. And you you have a smile on your face the entire time. I highly highly recommend this one. I was one of only two people in the theater, so it's oh, again when people say that they don't get good movies in, in theaters anymore, you're not going to see them. Go to see. Fool's Paradise. Cannot recommend that movie enough. Highly recommend it. 
No, I'll give that a shot. I love being there. I have that on Blu-ray. And I do bring that out about every once a year and I do watch it. So I love those understated kind of films that you just kind of get lost in and just kind of watch and let it wash over you. So this one's a little more over the top in the satire. Uh, it's 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 uh, maybe just because today's era and how mm. the culture we live in, especially how much we know about the Hollywood scene and how phony mm. everybody is. So they, they kind of really amp that up to to 11. But the one thing they don't show in the trailer, uh, uh, Ken Jeong is kind of the co-lead in this. Since it's mainly a silent performance from Charlie Day, you kind of need someone to carry him along the, the way. And Ken Jeong plays his overzealous, schlubby, down-on-his-luck uh, publicist and who's constantly clinging to the one client that he has left, and this is his one client. And his over um enthusiasm is kind of helping uh his latte pronto through a series of events instead of chauncey gardner his new name is latte pronto and uh he uh latte kind of becomes the uh, he, he slowly becomes more and more uh he, i don't want to say human but more and more uh at 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 ease with himself throughout the course of the movie through ken jong's interaction so I, a great movie. I can't, I, again, great movie. Uh, How about you, Keith? That one. How have you been? Where Keith? Have I, I've been fine, just living day to day. Um, I did finish watching Beef on Netflix, which is an A24 series with Sean Chen from The Walking Dead. Very good. I really enjoyed that. I've been meaning to check um, that out. It looks, it looks yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's good. It's I, I highly recommend it, actually. Um, been watching some anime series, Black Lagoon. I got five more episodes to watch of that, so... Very much enjoying that. That's on Netflix at the moment in this country. I'm not sure if it's, I think it's on Netflix around the world. I'm not quite mm -hmm. sure. It's hard to figure out what's on here and what's on yeah. everywhere else. But they're dropping Netflix everything. Yeah. yeah. So I enjoyed that. And then um, getting ready for the Titans to come on Netflix here. So I can watch the last season of that. So, mm. oh, yeah. It's, uh, it looks, I, I haven't seen too much of it in the States. I, it's, it's airing right now, right? Or am I thinking yeah. of Doom Patrol? Okay, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. Tit Titans is airing. I've got to finish the season. I think they've gotten all the episodes out now um, or close to it. I'm three episodes in. I, I'm going to be disappointed that they're canceling <laughs> it now because yeah. while it, while it had a rough start, like all genre, I, I tell everyone all genre series really need three seasons to find their footing yeah. altogether. It, it's very rare. You, you It's rare to get that series. Unlike, you know, you get last of us, but that's a rarity of where they come out of the gate really strong. They really got to find their footing. I mean, legends of tomorrow, uh, uh, you know, uh, that one took a couple seasons, but they found their niche and they just ran with it. But to cancel it right now, they actually seem to finally figured out the series. So to have it being canceled now, maybe they're going on a high note. I like the story so far I've gotten out of this uh, first few episodes that they've got in this season. So it'll be sad to see it go. And I got to finish Doom Patrol, too, though, because that's right up my alley. But yeah, Titans so far this season looks good. It really looked better when they when they got taken over by HBO uh, by, you know, well, the DC channel, then, then HBO, yeah. you know, when it got taken over by max, uh, they had more of a budget and you could tell that they had the costuming was a little better and all of that. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to where they end this, but it'll be sad to see it go. Cause I think they finally found their footing with it and now it's going to end. 
Yeah. I, I, it, I, I mean, I know what the budget with CW and I know what the budget, uh, they're cutting everything and they have to make a choice between Gotham Knights or uh, Superman and Lois. So it's the quality versus the, the cheap show. <laughs> so it's, we all know it will probably win. Unfortunately, and, yeah. <laughs> and and Max yeah. is losing their switch because they're switching over. But from what I've seen, I've seen clips online of Titans. You're gonna love this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what from what I've seen, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love Titans anyway. I thought, I mean, I was kind of blown away with it. I'm, I was a huge fan from mm-hmm. get go. Only because it's I like the darkness and it's. I mean, yeah. it's it's grit. It's really gritty, which is basically what it should be anyway. You know. And uh, you know that they were able to bring the Tim Drake storyline mm-hmm. in and right. and stuff like that. And it's which... it's it's fun with Titans to see them do an exploration of the Batman character without Batman being there. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I like what they've been doing that lately in the comics too. At least the few that I've read, to where Batman is almost like the he's the side character. You know, but they're talking about the impact, either the good or bad that he has for all these wards he brings in or everybody who works with him. And it's always an interesting angle to take uh with yeah, about- that's, what, that's what i liked about it because it was it's like a a person study a character right. study and that's what i liked about titans so and titans did take a little while for me to to start watching to begin with i, I heard it got better as the seasons went on that, that initial teaser that came out with the, <laughs> the dark and gloomy nightwing fuck batman it, it just like oh. it turned me off to it completely uh, uh, from the get-go so once I heard it got better, Isai Morales' Deathstroke, I thought that was a great casting. And so I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. And then I'm going to jump in and, and pretty much, I, I fully admit, much uh, streaming has kind of ruined the way I watch TV. I, I wait till the 11th hour and I'm like, all right, what are we getting all week? <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, yeah, I um, from everything I've seen, you're going to love it, Keith. So, I mean... So Titans was canceled, or they just decided to stop. They're they're ending after this season. So yeah, I know they were ending, but I didn't yeah. know if it was because they chose to end it this season, or no, were they, they forced they, to end it? The okay, way they forced. the way the gun has stated they want to do everything going forward is they want movies, TV shows, video games to and podcast to all be kind of integrated. So that way, if you want voice actors to play the people in in, in live action. We're only going to be telling one story. And if it's going to be an Elseworld story, a la the Batman or Joker will indicate as such, this is an Elseworld story. Mm-hmm. And But everything oh, else going okay. forward, yeah, I think it, with the exception of the, <laughs> the CW issue of them choosing one over the other, it looks like DC TV, as we know, it will end with The Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I mean, I have to sit there and say I'm kind of really going off CW a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, Arrow, I, like, Arrow is one of those like, shows why that... Is, yeah. Why is Riverdale still going? Why is it still going? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> you know, Arrow, Arrow did... When it first started, it was something different. It was, it was kind of a bold take, you know, to do yeah. a full superhero series. Nobody was really doing it. And it served its purpose of launching the spinoffs, which ended up yeah. being better than the arrow series yeah. unfortunately i would hate to say flash kind of overstate its welcome because especially the last t- outside of their crossover events they kind of got rinse wash repeat with the 
villains and the storylines of stories. You you know, unfortunately, there was a lot of ways they could go, and it seems like the writers kind of just fell back on their laurels, and and there was like a lot of interesting ways they could go, and they kind of saved everything for the crossover events, which are really cool. And then after that, you're just like, oh, here we go again. Okay, she's in trouble. He's dealing with Thrawn again. Oh, we're dealing with Reverse Flash again. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, how many times did they face? Did he end up facing reverse Thra- uh, flash? At least three or four. At, at least three or four. You know, and you're sitting there going, okay. You know, uh, Supergirl, I really liked. I really liked it quite a bit. But again, Legends of Tomorrow, I enjoyed the most because it looked like it, it was just the most fun. They rotated yes. practically that entire cast out with new characters, and they kept it fresh and interesting. You know, they were able to resurrect Constantine for a season or two, you know, to, to keep him going because I love Constantine. But I just loved how it didn't take itself seriously, but it felt like a comic book show. But it was one of those you could just have fun with it. And That's they the still, thing. Yeah. yeah, it embraced it embraced the humor and embraced the just the comic book of it all. And the fact that, no, we realize in comic books, you're going to have some weird crap. And you're going to and it's kind of hard to translate it into live action. Let's just embrace it. Let's just go mm-hmm. full out, embrace it, have a giant teddy bear walking as a kaiju. <laughs> I mean, let's have Gorilla Grodd and feature Gorilla Grodd a little bit more so than you mm-hmm. can in just in the single episode of The Flash. It, it's where it was a little bit more where you have to take things more seriously. I loved it. And whenever mm-hmm. I checked it out, it would I, I was always having a blast watching it. So. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Actually, I haven't seen it. It's on over here, so I will. I it, mean, I looked at it, it's like, okay, do I want to get tied into this? But I'll, I'll give it a shot now. It, it's <laughs> fun and it's interesting where they take some of the side characters in Arrow and actually flesh them out more, make them better. I like the characters from Arrow that end up being regulars on Legends of Tomorrow better than when they were in Arrow. <laughs> I was going to really? say, Caitlin Lotz is really, really yeah. good on the show. She's yeah. she's so much better than what she was on Arrow. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think the trouble, I mean, I did enjoy Arrow. I only watched the first two seasons of Arrow, then I kind of got a bit mm-hmm. Two, I, I think two was their peak, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Yeah, uh, him versus Deathstroke was so good. Manu Bennett mm-hmm. was really, really good in the role. And it, it was, and then kind of started, it was more about, hey, how many more shows can we build? How many more things can we do? Mm-hmm. We'll use this as the, yeah. as the launching pad. And Arrow's a bit of an asshole. His attitude was always a bit asshole. Well, yeah, yeah, these, I mean, they took Green Arrow and they tried to turn it more in the Dark Knight, which I liked. I liked the the Mm -hmm. fact that they did it, but he was always moody and it, he didn't really start finding himself and realizing, hey, maybe I should actually, maybe Oliver should be a hero Mm -hmm. as much as the Green Arrow until like season four or five. So, and at that point, you're either with it or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like all he did was, um, work out and just get moody and be moody you always <laughs> had to have a workout doing the, doing the salmon off yeah. hey, doing the salmon ladder doing the salmon ladder yeah. <laughs> so they, like, they, okay. they, they take them in a better direction i actually didn't mind the last couple seasons of arrow uh because they got into uh not to be too spoilery or anything but they got a little bit into time jumping type stuff and yeah. and and that's where it really started to get interesting again i'm like wow this is kind of cool you know diff- different different interpretations and such, especially after they do the crisis on infinite earths and that, uh, yeah. Crossover, uh, both of those, the crossover events were the best part. 
You know, <laughs> it all that became must see viewing every time that they aired. I, I I had to tune them in, even if I wasn't paying attention to the other shows. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm I and even if I didn't have access to CW, I would buy them digitally because mm-hmm. I knew I'm like they'll always be fun to watch, no matter what. You could go back and revisit them. But I tried I tried to watch the Lois and Superman, the new mm-hmm. one. Yeah, what do you and like? I, and I, um, I kind of wish that Superman would start flying around the world in reverse very slow and reverse time so he can abort those two sons of his because I bloody hate them. It's like, what a bunch of spoiled, fucked up kids. No, poor me, poor me. It's like every episode, poor me. It's like, uh, after about four episodes, I can't deal with these kids. You are the sons <laughs> of a god. Grow up. Precisely. Oh, yeah. Life's so hard. Daddy loves me, loves him more than me. It's like, oh no! It's like, it's it's just like watching Melrose place with superheroes. It's just <laughs> so yeah. And I, I, I'm not a Superman fan anyway. I think I, mm. I find Superman annoying only because he is a boring character. Yeah. Well, you, you know the whole thing about the glasses. He takes his glasses off and no one recognizes him. It's like that bothers me. And then it's like. There's always got to be kryptonite. Every single storyline has kryptonite. It's like, it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but if, there, if Superman was real, just get, just hire a company, get rid of all the kryptonite in the world, and you'll be fine for the rest of your life. <laughs> the, so. the, the best parts I like Superman, in all honesty, and it's not just because I'm a huge Batman fan, are uh, world's finest uh, when he's paired up with Batman, because yes. the the two dyna- the dynamic between them is is wonderful because he's such the boy scout and batman isn't but it's interesting how they interact i've been reading the comic uh world's finest uh and they've been having a lot of fun with that story uh and it's a lot better than i thought it would be but i really like it when those two are paired up uh that's when i can handle superman the most otherwise it's the problem you run into you make this godlike almost completely un beatable character by humans you know and he's he's around kind of taking care of crime superman is and you're just like uh, okay you you need the kryptonite because otherwise you're just like bullets bounce off of he's impervious to you know it's like ooh. ooh. uh (laughs) yeah i mean i I have to sit there and say I did like Superman and Batman and Super Pets. I did watch the animated show. Yes. (laughs) That was really fun. I really enjoyed it. So (laughs) <laughs> that's the Dwayne Johnson movie that just came out the yeah. super pet I gotta check that out I hear, yeah, I heard it's it good fun. it's it's really fun I really yeah. enjoyed it actually so. it, it pokes a little fun it pokes a little fun at the the DC universe but still yeah it was a lot of fun it's it's actually very enjoyable and they kind of make it a bit canon too so it's interesting <laughs> how they work it in there yeah uh, so. really fun I, yeah I highly recommend it so Well, on that note, that brings us to Batman the Anime Series, which our first episode, which we'll do part one and part two together, is Robin's Reckoning. During a fight with some gangsters at a construction yard, Batman and Robin learn the name of their boss, 
Billy Marin. While Robin looks forward to going up against Marin, Batman becomes distant, and after falling out at the Batcave, Batman doesn't allow Robin to accompany him on the search for Marin. Robin investigates on the Bat computer and soon realizes that Billy Marin is not the boss's real name, rather is an alias of Tony Zuko, the man who killed his parents, which Batman already knew but chose not to tell Robin. Angered at Batman's deceit, Robin sets out to find Tony Zuko on his own, all the while plagued by the memories of his parents' death and how Bruce took him in as his own son. Eventually, Batman manages to find Zuko at an old amusement park, but breaks his legs during the fight. Robin finally arrives and prepares to kill Zuko in revenge. So, Mark, what are your thoughts of Robin's reckoning? <laughs> I've always, I've always kind of had a problem with the Robin character. Um, and, and not just not because of the character himself, but the way writers always seem to handle Batman when he's with Robin is Batman gets dumb. He he makes <laughs> he makes a lot more dumb mistakes when he's with yes. Robin. I mean, it, not just in the animated show, but in the comics. Whenever Robin's there, Batman seems to forget all these wonderful sharp skills that he has and how to fight and what's going to be a trap and what to look for. And he's he he's not as uh, not indestructible, but he's not as tough. His, his stamina is definitely not there. Like fights and that too, and that he seems to really just get. People seem to get the jump on him a little more when he has Robin around. And, you know, but aside from that, I like how this plays out because it's an older Robin. We've got college Robin. We don't have kid, you know, like young Robin. So uh, I like that. And I like how it played out. And yeah, I enjoy this story. I like how they they handle everything about it and, and the arc they give Robin. He's not annoying in this. I just I just don't like how they handle Batman whenever there's a Robin around. I just, you know, to me, he just he just seems to get a little bit more bumbly. I, I he's still decent at here. He still kicks a butt, but it takes him a little while, and and he makes more mistakes. Uh, but overall, uh, just the general feeling of it, I, I like how this plays out quite a bit, uh, and the story with Robin, uh, with it. So it's a familiar story too, because they yeah. they've used it and and mm -hmm. uh in they did it in Batman Forever, uh, with Two Face in a way. It's always the 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 confrontation and they, they did in Batman begins too, technically mm -hmm. with Bruce, it's a theme of, okay, you confront the person who changed your life. Are you mature enough to handle this? And right. uh, Robin gets to that point where Batman knows, no, you, you aren't, you're not there yet. Uh, clearly you're <laughs> uh, the first time you did it, you were a kid. You almost got yourself killed. And the only issue that I had was if I don't see why he had to push him away and they couldn't do it together. Right. Mm -hmm. And with him supervising him along the way, because it seems like as soon as he got over his shoulder, he calmed down and he realized it. But he's he was afraid that he would get killed. He, who is Tony Zutko? Who is this guy? He's a, he's a two bit hood that may may have some connections. He, he he's a henchman at the time and he worked his way up into something. But he doesn't have he's not a super villain. Why couldn't Batman and Robin take this guy alone? It's one of if you find out who he is, you'd be better off as a team. That was the only aspect of it that I did not like. But other than that, this is a brilliant episode in terms of mm -hmm. telling the origin and the way that they break it off in terms of the origin of Ward Dick Grayson right. to the origin of Robin Dick Grayson mm -hmm. in in uh, in the second part. All kind of tone uh, tone or uh, brought together by the rage of Robin carrying over from one episode into the other. It's, it's a very, very effective episode. 
And I loved it. I didn't realize it until just looking up the names. I didn't realize it was Biff Tannen, Thomas F. Wilson, yep. as uh, Tony Zuko. Uh, Tony Zuko, yeah. The ultimate bully. <laughs> ultimate tormentor, I mean, in a way. I mean, when I watched it, I kind of got the... I mean, I know... I mean, I've seen the whole season, all, the whole series right. of Batman anime series anyway, so I know where Robin's going. Um, so I guess watching this, I kind of have a slightly different view because what i quite like about robin is that you can see the fractured relationship between these two characters and i quite like that actually because it's like it's setting it up for what's coming sort of thing and you know robin's trying to become his own man but batman doesn't want him to become you know it's, it's like this constant battle that's going on between them and i quite like the friction that's going on between the two characters and it's not just even that it's just like you know we get this later on as well you know and it and it's it's quite interesting because i always found i found dick grayson as robin more interesting when he be when he's when he starts breaking away from batman to become eventually nightwing what well, right. you know we'll get eventually down the road and I, that's when i found robin the best that's when he wasn't, you know, when he when he was younger and underneath his thingy is, you know, but now that he's older, I quite like that they kept they kept him at that college age. You know, I would have hated it if he came in and he was like 14, 15. He'd just been this annoying <laughs> yeah. little sidekick and you know, and his outfit's better. And and I also mm -hmm. like um they were able to keep him a, a kind of cool, but without being annoying cool. Mm -hmm. You know, even the things yeah. he says just seems quite normal. And I thought that was very, very well done in, you know, in Robin's Reckoning. Out of all the Robins, uh -huh. Dick Grayson's probably been the best one in any of the source materials that's been handled the best. I mean, he, the natural progression of him to Nightwing, you see it. And I've just I've just liked how that character the best, where he ends up. And you, you're right, you see it here, uh, you know, where he starts to do it on his own. And yet he's that training's there and you know, he's kind of like he's kind of like the young they play him here kind of like the young Batman in the beginning. You know, like when we saw in the first few episodes where he was donning the the the, the hat, and the yeah. you know, the, the thug outfit uh, more so than the bat outfit. He's kind of like that as far as emotional wise. They get a little bit better of him. But this is this Robin and Robin's reckoning is kind of like if that young Batman had someone over his shoulder saying, yeah, you may not want to do that. Um, you know, so yeah, I just I I thought overall they it was great that he was a college age and you could see where they're going with it. What's interesting is on HBO Max, they've got them, I think, in broadcast uh, order. So you don't actually, you know, it's more serialized in the, the Blu-ray collection, but on the on the HBO Max they have it. So I had to search a little bit to find where it's the, all over the map yeah it is it is it's all it's, over the map it screwed up vicky a couple of times on the podcast where she was we watched episodes out of order it, it's yeah. the digital collection and the blu-ray is where it's at if you want to actual chronological mm -hmm. order i mean we um when we program this what i try to do is make sure that the two parters are put together oh yeah because so, yeah. because like we did laughing fish last week because robin otherwise robin's reckoning would have been like part one and part two <laughs> yeah. so it's like so you have to kind of maneuver things around a little bit but i mean i have to say that um i've also noticed that robin's a lot more violent mm. than batman batman's a bit more controlled with his violence or 
Robin just seems like he's going to snap at any moment, you know, it's, and it's also, I mean, it's, it's the life of growing up. I mean, when mm-hmm. Bruce lost his parents, he went uh, to boarding school, went to Japan, went to, it was, and then came back uh, after uh, went to college or excuse me, I'm thinking he went to college, well, off to college, came back, uh, mask of the phantasm happened. And then from there, you have uh, he went off to Japan. He furthered his training and came back, was ready to fight crime. Whereas Robin, it's you're a kid. You witness your parents killed in front of you. You see the person who did it. You see him messing around with the ropes. You see him, you saw no. Hey, that's the guy. So, you know, damn well, everything that happens and you can't do anything to stop it. And that rage has been in you. And the only thing you've had is a very messed up individual billionaire who dresses as a bat going out and fights crime. That's your only real mentor figure for the next eight, nine years of your life. That's, that's going to cause some psyche and definite trust issues and definite psychological damage on you. So I can't say I've also kind of, I've also kind of wondered why Bruce Wayne takes him in. Is it because he's, agile and a gymnast and then you know as, as the plot like okay I, you know i know they shared the the dead parent scenario yeah but i mean there, there's plenty of kids in gotham that tend to share the dead child <laughs> scenario that we've seen so far in the animated series anyway a lot of a lot of orphan children running around gotham <laughs> they shared that orphan that that shared orphan look that they had in yeah. the dark Knight rises it was uh, between yeah. uh even with between the well, they had the Fagin character in an earlier episode, earlier episode, didn't they? With all the orphan yeah. children underneath the ground, sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, it's kind of it made me kind of wonder why, you know, why him first of all, and second, was it because Batman wanted a mentor, or was it because he was hoping to mold him into something? Because it's there's something a bit sinister about the whole thing actually so it's not like okay you know come in come you know here i'll take you in you know the thing question is like okay well you know i don't know if i don't know if dick grayson has any aunts or uncles i don't know if both parents were like only children or anything like that but i mean that happens really quickly i mean it doesn't go through child social it doesn't go through social services at all it's like they just car him over. You know, <laughs> I'd like to the, think the, when he went to when he, worker gone in there to find out that Bruce Banner is a safe place well, for, for for him to grow up. <laughs> they 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 do set it up here in in this in this episode anyway, uh, in the series to where he gets sent to uh, Bruce Wayne's mansion initially because to protect him. You know wh- yeah. whether Bruce had some uh you know some uh other plans some secret plan to to finally take him in as a ward he takes him because there's a worry that zuko's gonna ace him that the circus performers wouldn't be able to protect him because he's the only one that saw zuko's face so that was the initial motivation for bringing the kid in and i think they were they do a little bit of it in this in this uh two-parter building up to where uh bruce grows to like the kid you know, and he sees a lot of himself in this kid, uh, kid smart, and he wants to give him maybe an opportunity. So, yeah, there are a lot of orphans, but it just so happens that it's situational that he's there to protect the kid. And then while the kid's there, he's like, you know, I kind of like this. Maybe I do need a, you know, someone around and, and I could help this kid out, you know, because my trauma is so taken care of, you know. <laughs> 
There is, in, in just, your same vein, I, I, mean, though, I just a, wondered if, oh, sorry. Karen. I was just going to say, in your same vein, Keith, there is a rather ominous line from Alfred in the second episode after Robin is taken in and Batman reveals his identity. So, oh, I guess he'll be staying indefinitely now. Yeah. What, <laughs> what he's now the prisoner? Because it, it felt oh. very much like, oh, you ain't leaving now, kid. You had yeah, a chance. Stockholm, synd- Stockholm syndrome is now taking over. <laughs> but, but I got, and I kind of wondered, like, you know, if Dick Grayson was like, let's say a nerdy kid playing Dungeons and Dragons, would he have still taken him in? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of an acrobat? Yeah. yeah. Instead of an acrobat and someone, who could ha- and someone who could handle himself, and, you know, quite. You he know. probably would have yeah. still helped him out. The conversation yeah. with Gordon, hey, I'd like to lend a hand if I can, or whatever yeah. he said, <laughs> along those lines. It doesn't mean necessarily. I'll take the boy in. He right. doesn't have any aunts, uncles. We can, we'd like to think he was responsible and did the yeah. right thing. But yeah, no, it is definitely weird. It, I think maybe subconsciously he thought maybe I can help. But I, I think at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's that orphan. Just like, ah, uh, the kid just lost his parents right in front of him. I know what that's like. Immediate it, guilt. And it, it's that connection because Bruce is trying to be that person that he didn't quite have. I mean, he had yeah. Alfred, but he didn't quite have. So he thinks. His intentions, I think, are good, but secretly it's a bit selfish of him. <laughs> you know, it, and that's always been the case with the later, not the 60s version, but the later versions of Batman and Robin is, is you know, why does he? You know, that motivation is always a gray area of why did he take Robin in and what is his true you know, uh, motivation for that because his lifestyle definitely doesn't call for a proper upbringing. Yeah. I did like to throw back to uh, Batman 89 in this one, though, where he says, oh, you're the first person. He goes, no, I mean the second person to be in the back <laughs> to, to reveal <laughs> the Batcave. So, you know, it not directly, but I, I just like that little nod, but. Um, yeah, there are a lot of great moments in this film, in, in this episode, though. I guess, I mean, I guess maybe I'm also like, you know, looking at, you know, the Robins that come after him because he does take in a couple more Robins right. as well, as we know, and even a female one, which is kind of bizarre. But um, but it's just kind of like, but that, that's so so when you look at the ones he brings in later, obviously, he you know, now he needs this boy figure in his life for whatever reasons but you kind of so but when you look at dick grayson at the beginning it's like okay fair enough he's helping him out but then when you say that once you know once grayson does leave and then he brings in jason and todd and you're kind of going there's a de- well, there's, why? Why? there's a definite downgrade from hey you're an acrobat you watched your parents die in front of you you have a lot of skill too hey i caught you stealing the tires off the batmobile there there is <laughs> There is a, yeah. a very significant downgrade. His choices in Robin get worse as he's gone <laughs> along over the years. In all honesty, he he, he just yeah. he seems to pick the the more and more <laughs> kind of screwed up kid, thinking he could fix them. Is uh, it fix them or control them or control that's them? The thing. I, See, yeah, that's, that's the thing. thing. Yeah. The, the yeah, more nefarious as he gets on, he he co- doesn't have to keep choosing children. He he no. could choose other people, but he's choosing you, oh. young impressionable youths who mm-hmm. he's molding in his own image. And granted, they go off and go and do their own things, but they're I mean, they're in their teens. They're mm-hmm. they're young. They're in their teens. They go through horrible trauma. They're they're orphans. They're street kids. He's taking them in, and so. There is definitely well, I mean, he gets, something. Is it just is it just the fact? Hey, I got one one worked. Maybe I got it. I'm just gonna keep going with the it in the well, 
or well, I mean, he gets one murdered, and the end. I mean, he gets thing, back, yeah. and, he, and he gets back, girl paralyzed. So, <laughs> so I was like, Ugh. not exactly the best. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I, that, I, that's. But, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, what I also liked about was, and what I thought was quite interesting writing in these two episodes is that you get Albert mediating between Robin and Batman mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, and we get we and we get this in our next episode as well. So it's like this that. I think it's very clever of them to be able to to do this, to have that. Because normally you just like, gee, gee, Batman. Here I go. It's kind of like all that. It's like, oh. You know, hands on the hips. It's like, here I am in my pixie boots. Yay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do like the design of Batman. I mean, of Robin as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the design yeah. that they use for him is fantastically well done. So. And that was reflective when they when they finally finally gave Robin his own spinoff comic in uh, early '90s, was it or whatever? He he had more of that look, and that's the look that they carried in the Titans, which explores exactly what we're talking about with what Batman his true motivation for having wards is highly explored in Titans quite a bit mm-hmm. um, in the show. So here, seeing it in here, I think it's handled in all honesty a little better here than it was in the show uh in the live mm-hmm. action um but that's always been the case you know i always thought him taking it's one to have an ally who does their own thing and they work with you it's another to take someone into the house and try to mold them. <laughs> you know it's just that's always been weird for me for him because the way his his everything is you would think he'd want people to be as far distance from him as possible you know, uh, and I know Robin was, I think, initially brought in to lighten the series, the comic book series back in the day. And you had someone the kids could connect to. Because... Yeah, because they, they knew they couldn't be Batman, but they might be able to be Robin. So so you had right. that kind of. I mean, I just thought, I mean, if Dick Grayson didn't become Robin, let's sit there and say that that. That sort of, I mean, he, uh, how, I mean, how, he'd be just a lonely boy in that mansion, just on his own. <laughs> just be a <laughs> really sad existence. Him and Alfred <laughs> drinking tea, playing chess. Well, be, Dick, Dick Grayson doesn't have any friends either. It's like, no. you know, I don't, I don't know anywhere in the comic books or anywhere in the anime series that Dick Grayson goes out with his college friends or his high school friends <laughs> or his school friends. He has no friends outside of Batman. So it's like, you know, you're only with me and only with me sort of thing. Let's he'll go end up doing a lot together. of, he'll go end up doing a lot of the same antics he did in Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, just motorcycle racing at night and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, Bruce, I'm going to borrow the bike. Which bike? Eh, it doesn't matter. Eh, I'll just take that. Go for a ride. But he'd be yeah. getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this brings us to our next episode, which is Night of the Ninja. A mysterious ninja is robbing Wayne Enterprises, subsidiaries, and Batman discovers that the ninja is actually his equal in combat. A grunge hat against Bruce Wayne and skills to match him can only mean one person. Koide 
Kaida Ken, sorry, an old rival of Wayne's teacher from his days in Japan, and who was thrown out of the dojo after attempting to rob it, only to be stopped by Wayne. Ken, it turns out, wants revenge. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of Night of the Ninja? I was interested. I really, I, I found this one very interesting, mainly because the Summer Gleason character. I like this rambunctious reporter who's mm-hmm. constantly going after. We're, we're seeing somebody actually doing some digging into Bruce. Uh, I hope this character comes back. I don't know if they do. I hope they do because this seems like it could yeah, be. She 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 yeah. pops back and forth. She pops back and forth. She's in she early did... episodes. She seems like it could be a, a nice little specter hanging over Bruce and Batman that could mm-hmm. come back with the way that she was digging into everything. Why is what what is the connection here with, between uh, Bruce and the, these robberies? Um, I it kind of reminded me. I don't know why. I remember this watching it going back to when I was a kid seeing it for the first time, it kind of reminded me of an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mm. uh, when Shredder got splintered. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the early, from the early first season when we got to see human Hamato Yoshi and Oroko Saki, the Shredder and the Splinter, uh, facing off against each other and remembering their past and the dojos and kind of seeing how that they were equals, but one was just a little superior uh, although it was flipped in, in Ninja Turtles, whereas uh, Splinter was better than Shredder in this case. Kyodai? Uh, is, is this? Yeah, Kyodai. Uh, Kyodai. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely the superior, uh, at least back then. Bruce has definitely become the master by the end. I, it's, it's very... Uh, I wish they explored it a little bit more. He got away, so he could always go back, but... Um, he's, he's a very fascinating character, Kyodai, just driven by revenge against Bruce Wayne. If he ever finds out that Batman is Bruce Wayne, it could definitely go to that next level. Uh, I could just be thinking of what they've been doing modernly with the open-ended nature of, uh, Batman v Superman and, and, uh, what they did with death, death there with him finding out the identity. I'm like, I like the idea of like a ninja or someone who's equal in strength, finding out exactly where he is and just haunting them going after every aspect of their life. It's a little too hardcore for the animated series, but I think that it, I'm like, that would be a very interesting concept to explore. But well, they left it. They left it open ended. They left it open ended. Yeah. Like, so I'm ho- oh, is he dead? As like, is he dead? Well, why would he be dead? He dived into the water himself. Right. It's not like he fell into the water. He dived in. So obviously, Nin- he's somewhere. I do believe ninjas can swim. It's it's, 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 it's there's no <laughs> scroll somewhere written that ninjas cannot swim. No, no. Even, even, swim. even even if they're in a half shell, they can swim. <laughs> Indeed. Of course, it, actually, if they're yeah, yeah, if they're in a half shell, they could definitely swim. We saw that in two. Anyway, uh, <laughs> though, I don't know how they got into their shell, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> this was an interesting one. I liked it because we get to I always like when they go back to see Batman or Bruce Wayne in training because it shows that he didn't just get these abilities. He he did work at it. I always I always like that aspect and seeing how he got trained and where he got trained because he's always mixed martial arts in that and seeing here have a rival who was consistently better than him the whole time when he was at the dojo uh, really helped, you know, because it helped set up this character later on when he's fighting Batman. You're like, well, is he still going to win or not? <laughs> you know, and the summer, the summer Gleason character is really great. It, it was unexpected. It's unexpected to have this storyline in here because you think it's just going to be the Batman 
revenge angle. Then you throw her in there and it adds that extra. It takes it out of, oh, this is superhero world to this is a real world where we have reporters paying attention to some of this stuff or at least one reporter. And I think it helps, you know, round out the world a little more to that the Batman animated series takes place in because you have these other characters who are paying attention versus we're just seeing Batman take on whatever next villain, um, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I like the story quite a bit. I thought it was fascinating exploration of seeing him in Japan, but I'm with Sean. I would have liked to see a lot more of that too, of his training of, of yeah. the different things he did besides just taking on Kyodai, uh, just seeing the different, like we get a little bit with the candle training where he's doing the <laughs> He's doing the, the candle. Yeah. He's doing judo, judo tactics, throwing people around by the gi. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely yeah. I want more training. I would I I definitely want to see more of that. They they, they kind of need to do a Team America. We gotta have a montage. Have <laughs> 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 a montage. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I I think I thought also there's what's quite interesting about the MA series is they do add these little tidbits of information like when she's going to her editor and he goes you know you don't want to touch you don't want to mess with bruce wayne he's got too many friends in high places so it's almost like you know bruce wayne is untouchable as far as a lot of things are concerned in this city which is quite interesting because they don't really mention that but in this episode they mention it so you're like okay so obviously even if he was conning people or he was stealing people he would still get away with it he's like a daggett but he's on the good side of daggett Right. You know, or situation, well, which is interesting. Bruce, I mean, he has the technology, he has the resources. It's been shown in other things when he find in uh, the Dark Knight Rises. I was I watched that uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, when he finally comes out of hiding and he gets out of the car. All the paparazzi's going up. He just hits a little button on his car on his car keys, and all their cameras are immediately disabled. <laughs> no, I control the media. Shut up! Boom, knocking this off. Oh. He, he uh, uh, oh, uh, your your dates are swimming in the pool. Doesn't matter. I'm buying the hotel. That's this the type of person Bruce portrays in public. Mm-hmm. I still think that mm-hmm. Batman's the real man at this point, and Bruce is the mask he wears. But it's yeah, it's it is definitely um, the more and more that shows it, it comes out. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's all. I, I think it's it's been like that for quite a bit to where yeah bruce wayne is is the facade he puts up and i think he acts like that as well to turn people off to him <laughs> you know so you don't because if he's really even though he does all these wonderful things and then he's like no i'm buying the hotel because you know i've got ladies singing here and then i could kick you all out of the hotel uh you know it kind of make him somewhat of a gray area to where people might not like him and i think he likes that because he doesn't want anyone too close in so, today's world, though, that would draw more people in. The more right, of a yeah. pariah that you are, the more eyes you're going to get on you because more and more people are going to be like, all right, let's figure out a way to, what is, this guy is obviously doing something. Let's dig it up. Let's let's bring it out. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it could go, in today's world, it'd go either way. But back then, yeah, he, it's, he's the big fish in Gotham and he can kind of, he is the untouchable one. Right. And just as you go after him, if he might be doing something shady, well, no, we look past it because he just donated a million dollars to the orphanage. You know, never this, mind. He might have contributed to some of the kids being orphans, but that's beside the point. <laughs> you know, he just—they're the, they're the children of henchmen. 
his his uh, Gotham reconstruction campa- campaign has been donating a lot of money uh, and and bringing forth a lot of. Re- uh, he doesn't talk about the deconstruction uh, that he is no. the distru- destruction. Excuse yeah. me, that he's doing all across the city. Yeah. No, no, no chair, no charity to help, you know, raise like neighborhood watches and crime. <laughs> crime yeah, <exactly. laughs> so, um, the Robin character is quite interesting in this as well. Again, we got the friction between the two going on as well. Talking behind so that, the back. Yeah. The same, mm-hmm. the scene with him and Alfred talking. I, it goes back to what you were saying in the last episode. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It, it's not so much caddy talking behind the back as much as it is genuine concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nothing. I don't think either of them wouldn't say to Bruce's face. It's felt rather innocent, but it is. Yeah, it further adds to the rift between them. Of yeah, no, he's he's got these secrets. He won't open up. He's got this past. He doesn't want to talk about it, and he'd be better off if he just kind of confronted it and brought us all in. We're his family. We can we can take it. We can help. But there's also a thing, oh, I saved your life or something like yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, I, can, I mean, we kind of get that little closing at the end of the episode. It was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, thank you for being there. Kind of like a tacked on little, I'll be, I'm human again. The but, begrudging. You know, I, I just sit there yeah. say that Bruce Wayne um, does heal from black eyes very, very quickly. I did yes. notice that. Yeah. <laughs> the black eye the next morning it was gone. So I don't know if he's, you know, using a bit of makeup there or not. But <laughs> wasn't there at breakfast? Uh, a really high end steak. I was going to say it was prime, yeah. prime steak. Prime rib. Prime right. rib. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Dick at the breakfast table in their bathrobes together. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> this could be so many ma- memes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess this brings us now to Cat Scratch Fever. Batman must stop Roland Daggett's plan to release a viral plague designed by Professor Milo into Gotham by the way of its stray cat population. The case gains new urgency when Catwoman becomes infected with the virus during her search for her missing cat, Isis. Now Batman must find an antidote to save the woman who loves him most. So, Mark, what are your thoughts of Cat Scratch Fever? Well, it's it's one of those things where I really like it because it kind of starts off like in the middle like you missed the end of an episode somewhere and i like i liked how they did that quite a bit that setup because uh you're like oh okay uh what i missed but you did it's just it's just we catch the story in the middle and it sets up the whole parole angle for her character because she, we find out oh no she did actually save people even though she does bad things so it sets her character up right away if you're not quite familiar with catwoman um but i like I enjoy this one quite a bit. Uh, I, I like the dynamic. I mean, it's a kid's show, so you can't exactly go the uh, Batman Returns route with the relationship between Batman and Catwoman or even in some of the comics. Uh, but I like it. You can, you can feel it there. I like how she likes how Bruce Wayne is almost jealous of Batman that Catwoman, you know, Selina Kyle likes Batman, but not, not him. You know, I thought that was a little interesting exploration, but I think what stands out most is what I like and what they do with the other episodes of the animated series is showing that all villains are super 
villains like some special ability or some martial artist. Here we just have Daggett, who's the anti-Wayne. Who, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, he, he there's no real super-powered villains in this. He's got his two henchmen. We get to see Milo, who uh, the Milo character who looks like, uh, you know, uh, he looks like Mo. Uh, you know, Mo who has a bad day. I think we've seen Milo in some other animated uh, episodes as well, but uh, just showing that not all the villains Batman takes on are super villains. They're just, you know, they're, they're evil folks. Uh, and that's where we get Daggett here. And I like Daggett as the villain too, because it's kind of that grounded street level villain versus the, Joker or Clayface or someone like that, you know. So I do wonder why Dag. I do wonder why Daggett hired Nancy Walker to be one of his henchwomen. So yeah, <laughs> Nancy Walker <laughs> wrote his mom. <laughs> that was very weird. I, it was weird. Yeah, they. I, I did. Uh, I I enjoyed this one a lot because you got to see the relationship of Bruce and and Selena and seeing how it continues to evolve through. Uh, throughout the series but th- there's a theme going on between this and guardians of the galaxy of a- animal cruelty that mm-hmm. i've been following and just like the the uh it's a good way to showcase a villain as just being an utter scumbag uh, cl- clearly uh there there's a um i i don't know it's just one of the this this whole episode it got me thinking about where Catwoman is going to evolve as as a character in this show because now we're at this crossroad. She's no longer a clear villain. She's been definitely she's saving people. You definitely know there's a nefarious side. If she could get away with stealing stuff, she would, and she that'll always come back. But what's next for her? What's next for her as a as a character? What's next for um, her and Bruce? Her and Batman? Uh, it, it seems like we're at an interesting point with her because she's still on probation. She could always go back to jail, but she's in a happy place, which is good, at least seemingly. Happy. I even like that they brought Maven back. Her, yeah, yeah. Know, that was interesting to have that. You know that they thought to bring her back, and I mean, and just to have her. And another thing, I always, and this is what I thought was quite interesting as well, because normally it's like we're never, we're never privy to the court scenario with any of these villains. Yes, and to see her there, uh, you know, identified as Catwoman. So now the world knows that Selena Kyle is Catwoman, but standing there, Selena Kyle, that CCH, that the judge looked like CCH, CCH Pounder. Pounder. You yeah. and I have said yeah. the exact same thing. I yes. had to look at the voice cast. I'm like, it was not CCH Pounder, but it was it's designed Pounder. exactly it, like her. If this yeah. was a live action like version, if this was a live C- action version, that'd be CC. CCH Pounder, CCH Pounder, and Nancy Walker being the live action of this. <laughs> or Anne Ramsey from Throw Mama from the Train. Yeah, I've seen yeah. more Anne Ramsey. I've seen a little bit more Anne Ramsey in the pace. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but um, so I thought that was very interesting to show that you know. So like, oh, okay. So you know, you know, she's Selena Kyle. She's being judged, saying that she is Catwoman. You know, yeah. for being Catwoman, that you cannot wear your Catwoman gear and so on and so forth. Was that a pro um, yeah. Catwoman or an anti Catwoman crowd in the in the in the? It was a pro. It was a it was pro because yeah. they cheered at the five year probation. I'm just right. like, okay, that seems like yeah. a, a thing. If they were against her and it was all her enemy, why would you cheer at five year probation? It's, it just seemed odd. But why well, would they, all... well so well so far what we see with Catwoman 
it's a bit, I mean, it's a bit like poison ivy in a way that she has yeah. this cause and she's protecting animals. I mean, in this country, I mean, she probably, she probably would, you know, be part of the royal family here because they're so, <laughs> such in love with animals in England. But, and so even when she's stealing, it's for the greater good. It's like this Robin Hood well, I think really. I think back in the still in the late eighties, early nineties, the uh, if you were if you were wanted to save the environment, you were looked at as more of a crazy person or more mm. of a you know, either be a hippie mm. or someone anti corporate, anti capitalism, yeah. versus somebody who was wanting to fight animal rights. Well, or for his murder, that was way more accepted back and was wow. starting to become more accepted back then. I remember yeah, my mom. My mom had to put her fur coat away from the from, the, from that she had in the eighties. Like this is going in a closet. We're never going to see this again. We're never going to wear it again. <laughs> so whenever I see a fur coat, there's this movie I I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but Joe Beth Williams is in it, and she's got this fur coat, and she's walking through this crowd, and these people are yelling at her. You know how many animals it takes to kill to kill this jacket? She goes, you know how many men have the fuck to get this jacket? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so every time I every time I hear every time I hear about you know people animal rights people against fur jackets, I just think of her line. It's always <laughs> always refer back to that. So I think I can't I know I think on oh, the movie is called Switch with Ellen Birkin. Yeah, I think. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Catwoman's always been another fascinating character. Uh, I mean, this goes back to the conversation I had with uh, some friends of mine about when we were talking about Guardians. I'm like. DC has always had far more fascinating villains than heroes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, 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 they just have, and you know, they got a lot more kind of gray area characters. And I like that like Catwoman. Yeah. She started off stealing, but you know, she really only steals from gangsters and <laughs> from corrupt corporate folks are like here. She's taking on Daggett. Who's who's, you know, uh, torturing animals, which, yeah, that's an instant, like, you want to create a villain, like, in within 10 seconds, have him torture an animal, boom, you're done. <laughs> he went from a 4 to an 8 in the Batman, like, villain tier, like, alright, he doesn't have any powers, but this guy's just a dick, and I want to see this guy get taken down anyway, to any way, shape, or form. You know, but, I'm pretty sure this, it does get revisited in the later episode, yeah. where he does go after him again, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, but, you know, just in general, like Poison Ivy, her cause is good. She goes about it the wrong way, necessarily. You know, Catwoman's the same way. Uh, so you've got so, a number of these these uh, villains who who feel justified in their cause. It's just it doesn't meet the, the cultural status quo. And so here, yeah, we get Catwoman, the heel turn, so to speak, not the heel turn, the face turn, I should say, uh, if it was wrestling to where she she's definitely portrayed more as just the okay, she's she's a good person with kind of a bad tendencies, but not really bad, you know, because it, it's for the greater good. And seeing Batman with her also humanizes him a bit. But the court scene also does what we we're what I was talking about with the reporter in the ninja scene is that it creates a more rounded world. They easily with this animated series could have just had Daggett torturing animals and, you know, Catwoman there, but we get the court scene enough to make you realize there's other goings ons besides superhero stuff in this world of the series. And I, I just always like, it's one of the appeals that why I think this is one of the best animated series ever is because of the way they write that. 
Well, it makes sense in a way because if you're in a in a world that has the Joker, the Penguin, the like where these characters exist, you know that there's a seedy underbelly of the corporate structure and everything that's just as equally as slimy. And yeah, the, the Daggett is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. I found what was interesting is um, when you get Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne in the car in the back seat, and he kind of like goes to make a pass at her, and she just looks at him in disgust. <laughs> I thought that was quite that was quite interesting, actually, just actually, you know, to interplay that. I mean, I guess as a kid, you probably wouldn't notice that at the time. But you look at it now, it's like, it's like I just I just think of he's a friend, Bruce, you know, back off. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I thought and I, and I thought that was quite interesting, actually, that it's because, you know, what we were saying about Bruce Wayne and how he evolved, you know, how he is in this world and how people do look at Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne, you know, so obviously maybe, you know, like. To me, that kind of gives a little bit of more information about how Bruce Wayne is thought of in the real world of, you know, that. This is a, you know. this is a bonding conversation with him and Superman. So how do you, how do you deal with the fact when uh, you when your lady likes one part of you and hates the other? Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you get that going? Yeah, she shut it down yeah. pretty. She shut it down pretty quick, and I did notice it far more as an adult than when I was a kid of yeah. that scene. It. But again, that's those other subtle nuances they put in here that makes this series good for both because the kid's not going to catch that, really. They're just like, you know, I think if you're a friend, it's like, okay, you know, and then they quickly, though, the way they write Wayne is like, oh, I'm in friend zone. Okay, then here's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) And I quite like the ending of it as well, where Batman, you know, returns Isis back to her. Mm -hmm. Literally saved the cat. Batman literally saved the cat. He did. Really right. cat, so. <laughs> it, it, it was very nice of him to do that and bring it. Uh, and and uh, Isis was the name of the cat. Yeah, Isis yeah. is yeah. saving yeah. Isis. So that's good. Yeah. And, and, and I quite like that they brought Isis back from previous mm-hmm. episodes as well, and they brought Maven back from previous episodes. And it's it's quite good that they're they keep doing that in this series as well. That because normally, like when you watch an anime series of any kind of, you know you know superhero or whatever you kind of get these minor little characters and that's it you never they never do bring them back i mean summer you know we did summer gleason came back we saw her in the, the first episode where she's hanging up hanging by the joker with um oh, yeah. mr yep. gordon at christmas oh yeah sort of thing yeah i mean it, it it's what appeals so much to this is because the the writers and creators thought of these little nuanced things and these are side characters who actually play a part too they aren't just like hello and then they leave you know maven is is selita kyle's assistant but and she has a number of parts in here you know uh and and you get these side characters who actually have a little bit of meat i mean we don't spend a whole lot of time but enough to make them feel like real characters and to bring them back to just the whole world of of where these characters live in is great and in this one yeah it we have different seasons too. It's not always summer in Gotham. Actually, it's winter quite a bit because this takes place yeah. during winter. <laughs> you know? mm. and, and I um, like that. I like that that it's it's got different seasons. You know, their their episodes don't just take place during uh, warm weather. Mm. And we get di- daytime and nighttime as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's yeah. you know some superheroes is like it all take place either all during the day or all during the night sort of thing. Or, but here they kind of fluctuates back and forth sort of thing. So.
Well, I guess what we'll do now is talk about who's our favorite character and least favorite character from this block, starting with you, Sean. Uh, I think my favorite character of this block, uh, probably Robin. He's the most interesting uh, throughout two of the three episodes, or excuse me, three of the four episodes. I look at uh, Robin's Reckoning as one episode almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, You kind of see his growth. You see his evolution from boy to boy wonder. Uh, You see the angst building within him against and almost resentment rather than angst uh, towards Batman. So you can see when the break happens and and the growth happens from that. you you, uh, you it's definitely more on display in this and uh by the end of the th- of the third episode with them he even got the little cherry from batman saying no nah, you did all right kid thanks you saved my life so i think really his over those three episodes he's really the standout and also we haven't had that much robin so maybe it, it, mm-hmm. throughout the podcast so it's one of those things where it's nice to get three episodes kind of solidly with him being involved if not the the total focus uh, as far as least favorite character, only just because uh, it there's more to explore with it, but I don't think we got it. Uh, I think uh, Heidodai. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there could have been more there. Uh, I think it just seems like it, it was he had motivation, but I didn't think that it was fully explored or fully expressed in the way that it could have been. If that makes any sense, I think that there could have been more yeah. there. It could have been. It should have been a two episode, two parter, probably. <laughs> For that much of it, if it's that pivotal, uh, that pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. Excuse me. That if it's that pivotal of a character in the back of your backstory of your life, in terms of like this is the one guy who could who could best me. I, I think that maybe you need a little bit more with a character of that because since he's your equal and you haven't really had anybody who's been your equal yet, so. And what about yourself, Mark? Uh, well, he he took mine. I will say Robin. Yeah, it was it was it was nice to see Robin. I enjoyed Robin quite a bit. Um, he's probably my favorite character, paralleled with uh, the Catwoman character. I think you know, even though we got the one episode, just because it showed that she she had more facets to her than just being the thief and pining for Batman. You know, we get a little bit more yeah. with the way they handle her in this. Again, for for what the show, the animated show, they handle her character very well as far as, you know, she doesn't take out a lot on Maven. Her and Maven have a good relationship and and just the way they handle her character is quite mature for a kid's show uh, in in many ways. She's infected with the venom. She's burning up. Oh, you're hot. Oh, it took you long enough. (laughs) That was a great one liner. I love that. Yeah. You know, so I, I guess it's kind of a parallel. Yeah, what you said about Robin for sure, but Catwoman also a least favorite. Uh, we don't get much of him, but maybe that's why Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I mean, Gordon, we we don't really get Gordon in here except for for uh, the Robin's reckoning, which is a surprise for one, and and two, just like yeah, he's the one that just goes, okay, sure, go off with the billionaire who has no kids. And just a butler in a big house. I mean, yeah, you're bat, you're Bruce Wayne, but still, you know, yeah, sure. The circus people can't protect you, but he can in his big empty. <laughs> you know, so I guess for me, I didn't, I didn't quite like with with Gordon. I would have liked to see more Gordon, especially with the storylines that they had in here. Um, 
but I didn't, I didn't care for him at all. I, they almost didn't need him in there uh, dealing with Bruce Wayne. I dealing with the, the murder of, of Robin's kids. Cause he's like, why even make him, you know, if you're looking nine years prior, why even make it Gordon? You know, it could have been anybody. He really didn't have any purpose there. So I guess that that would be my least favorite. My favorite is going to be Robin um, only because I love the way they kind of really, I mean, this is probably the first time they really introduced him. Like he does appear in a couple episodes before this, but he's not really, you know, not really there, but I do like that. They brought him in and they bring out his character, but at the same time, there's the cracks in the relationship between Batman and Robin. And so it does adds this darker, more menacing, idea what's going to happen here it's like that that you know that not everything is as great as it appears and that's and i thought the way they introduced that is good least favorite i'm gonna go with milo because it's kind of like <laughs> you know, he he he, he, he developed he did well he like he developed this thing and he lets the dog go and then he just runs off so god knows milo's still out in gotham somewhere making up some potion or something or making some viral virus so that's and even though his character was kind of interesting, it just kind of felt to me like it's just kind of like they needed him there just to explain it. And then he's gone. <laughs> and well, let and, the dog go. And they made him an interesting designed character too. the way they draw him and everything. You're like, oh, this is going to be a cool henchman. And then, yeah, he's yeah. like, nope. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's like it's like Mo and Alfalfa had a child together and they got, got Mo. <laughs> <laughs> very distinct drawing draw uh drawn characters this week yeah. that, that goes without saying all the henchmen have very specific looks yeah <laughs> i mean milo even had an interesting haircut it's like right yeah he did have that mo that mo howard haircut it really did yeah. a literal the bowl big, cut big <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literal. makes you wonder if he did it himself he just put the bowl and then he you know. yeah. Got the razor out. <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and how about, okay, I guess now we're at our favorite episode. What's your favorite episode? Uh, starting with you, Mark. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I got to go with Robin's Reckoning. Uh, I mean, it's a two-parter, but I really like that. It's, 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 it's a prime example of why we're here talking about this show and why people talk about this show still today, 20 some years later, 30, you know, however many 30 years now, um, because you look at the storyline with Robin's reckoning that it's, it's written for both ages, something both adults and, and younger kids could probably take away from it yet. It doesn't dumb things down and it doesn't talk down to its audience. It presents this wonderful story that you could easily see, fleshed out more being a movie and being what batman you know batman it forever could have been yeah <laughs> you know? i still want that two and a half without hour the, long schumacher cut yeah <laughs> without the nipples so i'll take the rubber nipples i'll just give me the giant uh the giant bat scene that's all, yeah. what i want <laughs> um uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, but it's smart. Yeah. Go yeah Mark. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say with Batman Forever, it was always funny because they said, oh, dark, you know, Batman Returns was too psychosexual and too, you know, dark for kids. And what do we do? We literally have within one minute of Batman Forever, you have Nicole Kidman Badass. literally dropping her pants, just wanting to take Batman to bed immediately. You know, <laughs> it's like. 
I never and then, understood and then turn that. It, and then turn into like ultra gay as well. So it's like, okay, yeah. we won't we won't have straight sexuality. Now we're gonna go for gay. Because anytime think... anytime you put Joel, Joel Shoemaker in anything, every turn everything has this gay slant to it. Everything he does has this kind of you know, lost boys. You can't get any gayer than that. I mean, Jamie Getz doesn't even get a look in. <laughs> I was actually She's thinking about that. Woman. She's a good looking woman, indeed. <laughs> I was watching. Uh, I was thinking of Batman Forever when I was thinking. Robin's Reckoning is my favorite one of the. I will say that. But I was thinking of Batman Forever while watching Robin's Reckoning because there's the the whole thing is basically no, you, you're not ready. You're not ready to get your revenge. You, if you get close to him, it's too much. There's the throwaway. There's the scene where we that which I'm more and more I see that movie. The more I'm convinced, it's just so you can have the shot for the trailer of Batman and Nicole Kidman in front of the bat signal. There's really no reason for it. She it, mm. and it's set up with a throwaway line that ends up being pivotal in the climax of the movie, where mm. it's uh, oh you know uh, you know Two Faces coined it's his Achilles heel. <laughs> now anyway, uh, so tell me about you. How long you been in the world <laughs> of that suit? And finally, we get to the end. Robin could have his it could have his uh, revenge. No, he chooses to do the right thing. He chooses to you know save the day, and he gets a gun in his face for the process and caught. So it doesn't work. And then Batman could have chose to save the day, and instead he throws the coins at him, which distracts him enough to kill him. So uh, he did the exact same thing he was teaching Robin to not do. So it was a whole lot of do as I say, not as I do. I, I think that the mm. two and a half hour cut, maybe it's expended more, but it, it's <laughs> definitely done a lot better in Robin's Reckoning, which is why Robin's Reckoning is my favorite of the three. Um, it is a very mature story in terms of telling the growth of this orphan and how he became one, the rage that he's carried inside him for years, uh, how he's been dealing with it. And yeah, I mean, you're confronted with this, this ghost from your past. And how do you react, especially, especially when you think you're a lot more mature for it? So Robin's Reckoning, definitely the best one for me. Best one for me is Robin's Reckoning again. Um, um, the reason being is because when I first started watching this series back when it first aired, I kind of watched them. I really, really enjoyed them. Then once Robin's Reckoning came, it, that was like a turning point for me. Mm -hmm. It's like now it was like uh, now it's not it wasn't a show I liked. It now became a show that I loved to watch, and I had to watch every episode after that. And then uh, you know, then after that, it's like I had to buy the DVD box set when they came out, and then you know now the Blu-ray, of course. Um, and it, and it actually kept me in this universe, and it's Robin's reckoning that actually done that for me. And because I think that you got something that's for kids, but you got something that's for adults, and you got something that works on so many levels. You know, yeah. you know, you can watch it as a bit of fun. You can watch it as a bit of like psychodrama. You can look at it this way, and it raises a lot of questions for me as well, which I also like. I like something that kind of challenged me, and I afterwards, I, I you start thinking about it. It's like, well. You know, like what I said about, you know, you know, would would Bruce Wayne have got him if he was a nerdy Dungeon and Dragon kid, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, it, but it does raise those kind of questions to me, which never, you know, other animation superhero shows don't never raise that with me. And this did. So, so I give that a solid. And seeing, seeing the oh. conflict between Batman and Robin is always good. I always like I don't like forced conflict. And this didn't feel like a forced conflict just for the sake of conflict. Uh, you know, I, I, we've seen it in other dynamics with either superhero pairings or superhero groups to where you're looking like going, going, that's what triggered you that, you know, <laughs> you know but here mm -hmm. it really feels like a natural uh, friction between them. So. Well, it also, I guess uh, there's also that friction where 
I don't think that Bruce Wayne is a dad figure, but there is this thing where, you know, you get someone and the other person's outgrowing them. Mm-hmm. And and then but then they get the, and when the other person's outgrowing them, the other person doesn't want that other person outgrowing. You do have these kind of you just you have this little bit of friction. It's like what starts off as like little side remarks, and then you see that it starts growing from there, sort of thing. And I like that. And it's and I like the way that they do it gradually. It's happening gradually. It's not mm-hmm. like there's one episode and they're just at each other's throat like an old married couple. They're kind of like <laughs> you know they're just like. You can just see it and you can feel the, the tension, but the tension's not fully developed yet. And you can see where it's going to be, you know, and I quite like that. So, Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next month, Batman episodes will be The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, The Heart of Steel, Part 1 and Part 2. And if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? And, of course, we'll be continuing the Little Us podcast with our Make Remake, which will be Internal Affairs, the Hong Kong film, which is the American remake, The Departed, from 2009. Mm-hmm. Our Monsters and Mad Men episode will include Sinister from 2012, and We Are Still Here from 2015. Doctor Who will continue with Reign of Terror, which aired um, in August 1964. And, of course, Book to Screen will be well, our American Go Dark series. will be The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith and the film from 1999. So it's good night for myself and good night, Mark. Good night. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. And we'll see you next week for Make Remake with Hi, kids. It's me. Your pal, the boy wonder. Taking this opportunity to catch up on my fan mail. Even as a boy wonder, it's really hard to read all the tons of mail I get. Here is a happy letter from someone just about your age. Dear, cute, wonderful, fabulous, magnificent, exquisite boy wonder. A cold chill runs up my spine every time I see you sock a villain. And oh, how I cry when you're even scratched. Please don't send me a mimeograph copy of interesting facts about you. I want your handwriting. I have a whole wall of my room dedicated to you. Oh boy, wonder. I'm making a gum wrapper chain to symbolize my love for you. It's going to be as long as I am tall, and I'm five foot ten inches in stocking feet. Please, boy wonder, please come next Saturday and sleep for a week or two. I will feed you breakfast in bed. I will make your bed for you. And I like you so much that I want you to spend the whole summer with me. I hope you know this is a girl writing. Thank you.